Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Mike Golick Sr., Emerson Lazia, hanging out at the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% in your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. We got another banger for you today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, and leave us that five-star rating. We've got Chase Daniel coming up, former NFL quarterback, money-making extraordinaire, and Shaq Griffin, Houston Texans cornerback, also going to be stopping by and talking to us about all the good vibes around Houston, guys. But, uh, Dad, the good vibes actually made their way to Chicago last night. Good Lord, I was not ready for this coming into the show today. And it's amazing all the bad that was talked about with Chicago gets forgotten for a week, right? All the problems are gone for a week. It's like you wiped the slate clean when there are still problems there, obviously. But for that week, you you 
heard after this game. The music's playing loud. There's dancing in the locker room. I mean, listen, it was their first win since October 14th of last year, 14 games. So you can understand the joy and the glee. And then the way they did it. This wasn't a barn burner. This wasn't an ugly game, which a lot of people thought it was going to be unless you're a Commanders fan. Uh, this this was a, a great operation for the Bears to get healthy, both offensively and defensively, at least for this week. And that's what you do. That's what you do in the NFL, man, with only, with only 18 weeks and 17 games. You live and die week to week. And this is a week they get to enjoy. That said, it all came together. It all worked. You saw flashes that well, everybody will now build on. Instead of blowing up the entire thing, everybody will want to reconstruct it now and say, okay, they have a chance. But this is what we do week to week. But for that game, a heck of a game for the Bears, especially for Fields and DJ Moore, who they got in the offseason to really show how that connection worked. You can still grab them right now at plus 25000 to win the Super Bowl, gentlemen, on the DK Sportsbook. <laughs> wow, well, there you go. Yeah. Thanks for that. Give me a dollar on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you, want, if you want to go that route, you certainly got the option right now. But, Dad, to your point, I think that the bigger question coming off this is how far this goes for Matt Eberflus, who we were talking about as one yeah. of the coaches potentially who would be the first to be fired in the NFL. For Justin Fields, a guy who, if this team continued to be bad and you've got these top picks in next year's draft, is he even the Bears quarterback anymore? And, Dad, I'd start with Tom the Flames for a while that seemed to be leaking up around his seat because the defense, especially in a game last night where we talked about going in, the Washington Commanders and Sam Howell, the most sacked quarterback in professional football. The Bears defense, which is the side of the football Matt Eberflus cut his teeth on. He's taken over defensive play calling after they had to release or their uh, defensive coordinator uh, resigned very suddenly a couple of weeks ago. And in this game now, you finish with five sacks after coming into the season with two. Your defense, which was banged up on the back end coming yeah. into the game, only got more banged up as the game went along, had to gamble with a lot of blitzes, and Eberflus hit enough of the right notes early on along with what the offense did to go out and have that unit actually be a net positive in the majority of the game. Dad, how far does that go in keeping him's job safe for the time being? Oh, it's, it certainly you know keeps your job safe for the time being. You know, when you could put a game like that together, now it's about can you do it again? You know, what's the consistency to this, you know, as you go on, you know, your next game is against the Vikings, a team that's certainly not playing very well and obviously a, uh, a, a division opponent and then the Raiders. Uh, so we'll see. Can you put two? You put one together. Can you put two together? And, you know, you mentioned it. This is a team a few years ago living off the turnover. And as we as we talked about, not this year, you mentioned just a couple of sacks coming in. They had two interceptions and no fumble recoveries. So last night it's five sacks. And a fumble recovery as well. Logan Thomas had a tough fumble for them after a reception for Washington, and they get a fumble recovery their first of the season. So, you know, you have to you have to start it somewhere, right? And they finally got it going last night. Now, the 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 five, I think the five sacks, I believe, um, eleven quarterback hits didn't do it a lot with a four man rush. They did bring more heat. Um, so that that's still as you go forward and really break this thing down. You know, you look at that and say, okay, not not a lot of four-man pressure. On the other side, you know, Justin Fields about 50% completion. The stat to me, Washington, Sam Howell completed a pass to 11 different receivers. Justin Fields, three. And two of them were tight ends, Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon, who came over from the, from the Packers. 
And then DJ Moore, who had a, a night that you could just dream of as a receiver. But three receivers, that's all that caught a ball for the Chicago Bears, and they put up 40 points. It was unbelievable, but this is a game where the stuff that Bears fans have been asking for, right? The defense to come to the party a little more, job done. And for Justin Fields now, this is a continuation of what we saw in that last game where everyone looked and said, oh, this looks more like right. what we would expect a Justin Fields-led offense to look like. And one of the early criticisms of the Bear this Bears this season was why you weren't involving DJ more in the offense, why you weren't running your quarterback more in the offense. Well, Justin Fields finishes with 11 carries for 57 yards in this game and a lot of them were stressing the edge of the defense you saw them work that into a lot of their first down runs and dj Moore eight for 230 and three touchdowns goes off and dan a lot of them were just my betters better than your better well, touchdowns it was throw him a hitch on the outside and emmanuel forbes the rookie first round cornerback pick for uh what for um Washington Commanders out of Mississippi State, who's a smaller guy who yeah. had size concerns going into the draft. Dad, it looked like Thanos going out there and boxing Loki. He ends up getting benched over the course of that game because a lot of those plays were just DJ Moore out physicaling Emmanuel Forbes and then getting a ton of yards after the catch. Well, you mentioned a lot of hitches, but overall, though, he did throw a touchdown, did Justin Fields. Short route, medium route, and long route. He's done that multiple times this year. But in this particular game, you're right. And even Justin Fields said after the game, listen, there was a lot of one-on-ones with DJ Moore. That kind of makes it easy. It easy. And I'm not to say Justin Fields had it easy in this game. But when you see one-on-one, -on -one, when you see a matchup you like, it certainly makes it easy to know where you're going with the ball. Get the ball out. Sometimes it was short. A lot of times it was short. Sometimes he threw a nice pass over the top to a DJ Moore who at times was covered and just flat out made the play. So you're just, as you said, throw the ball up and trust your guy in man-to-man -man coverage. And that's what Justin Fields was doing. We know what he can do running the ball as well. But DJ Moore, I you always know, love the, the, the every now and then the stats. The fifth player in five games to have five receiving touchdowns, 500 yards in the first five games. The last one to do it, and the reason you bring it up, because it hasn't been done a lot, just five times. The last one was Randy Moss in 07 with the Patriots. So for a team that just got their first win, it's a pretty impressive stat for DJ Moore, an incredible bright spot, and a, a big, as we see, a reason that Chicago traded. They needed a big-time win number one to help their quarterback in Justin Fields, who, by the way, has thrown four touchdown passes in the last two games. He has 11 on the season. So interesting game. I, I guess what it showed, Mike, is potential. Yes. You know, I, I think we started yes. to see that anyway. And we can't, last year, and we thought, okay, it's going to start going this year. And then everything under the sun has gone wrong for the Bears, you know, off the field, on the field, equipment stolen, uh, D coordinator uh, leaving, and just horrible play on the field as well. And we all thought, you know, the arrow was going up on them. So are you able to right the ship? As we said, first part of the season is not the team you are in the, in the second part of the season or the third part of the season if you go by quarters of the season. So let's see. You know, let's see if they can build on it. Like I said, two winnable games. Vikings and Raiders that they have the next two games so uh, it's one thing to do it as a one-off it's another thing to try and show a little consistency hey junior maybe we picked the wrong coach from last night's game to be the first one fired this season Ron Rivera would be 0-5 let's keep in mind the commanders didn't start the season by playing the Cardinals and the Broncos not to mention part owner Magic Johnson part owner of Washington 
raising the hot seat temperature last night, ripping the team on Twitter afterwards, saying the commanders have no intensity, have no fire, and Terry McLaurin even agreeing with him on that. Yeah, I mean, listen, and for Terry McLaurin, you look and talk about all the receivers that caught balls last night. Logan Thomas, your leader with 11 targets in that game. Terry McLaurin, five targets with four catches on the night in a bare secondary that, again, coming into this game, had two players that were ruled out before game time. I believe lost another during the body of the game. I get wanting to attack the middle of the field. Daquan Brisker had showed up on the injury report, so they were banged up at safety. They could be had in coverage at linebacker. I can see, Dad, why you would target Logan Thomas some and he made some great plays for you. But good Lord, Terry McLaurin is one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's very much in that same vein of a DJ Moore who's often been under-talked about and utilized because of his quarterback situation. And they just refused to throw him a ball in a game where the best offense for the Washington Commanders came in the second half when they just decided, hey, we're going to play Huck it, Chuck it football. We're done with the run game. It doesn't matter anymore. Sam Howell has to go and throw us back into it. Sam Howell, who plays football like like this is still the ACC, like he's a human bumper car going out there and pinballing off men left and right to try and get it done. Giving the ball to everybody, finished with up over, I believe, 340 yards in this game. 300, yeah, yeah 388 yards. Excuse yeah. me, let me yeah. short the man who single-handedly tossed them back into this game. But the lack of production for Terry McLaurin as a primary target, especially early in this game, in the first half, he had one catch on one target. That is inexcusable as far as the way this offense shook out. And obviously, these enemies, the offensive coordinator, they still put up a ton of yards. That's very strange to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, this is, remember, Eric Bieniemy's first time as a, not as an OC, but as a play-calling OC and it is a, a head scratcher not going to McLaurin more when before a game gets out of hand, right? I mean, at halftime it's twenty-seven to three, so your game plan is kind of out the window. But it does start zero to zero. So what is your game plan starting with? But also, how how tough is it to be a quarterback that you went into the game the most sacked quarterback in the league, and the game turns out to where you have to throw the ball fifty-one times? Nothing good is coming from that. Fifty-one passes and 10 runs because you were getting blown out. Sacked five more times. He is on pace. Now, again, sacks didn't start being kept until 1982. The, the record for sacks is David Carr. He's actually in the top three. Top three. He was sacked the most in 02, 76 times. Then uh, before, right before I got to Philadelphia, and I got there in 87. In 86, Randall Cunningham was sacked 72 times. And in 05, Carr, again, was sacked 68 times. Sam Howell is on pace to be sacked 99 times. 99 times. That's blowing away the record when, since sacks were being kept. It's ridiculous that he has zero protection out there. So after a while, you're not going to be able to throw it to McLaurin because if I'm playing against you guys, I'm covering tight knowing that your quarterback isn't getting a whole lot of time to throw the ball. And if he has, he can get, get, has to get rid of the ball, I'm going to pick the thing off, you know, as, as going by yeah. what his stats. Well, he has, what, six touchdowns, six interceptions this year. So the way you play Washington, man, is, is a pretty easy game plan to play this offense that has a quarterback just getting smoked. Well, it's a quarterback whose who's decision-making waxes and wanes between incredible where he'll make great throws and great plays and utterly chaotic. And yep. that's the college football in Sam Howell that still lives there. 
Because, Dad, when you look at his performance, it's a reminder that sacks are often also a product of the quarterback play. Exactly. That's a guy yes. who's worked his way into plenty of those. His sack percentage right now coming into tonight was 14.5%. Usually when you couple that number with the amount of pressures, you get a good indicator for how quarterbacks can sometimes help or hurt their offense. And Sam Howell right now, more often than not, he's a guy who makes great plays because he bounces off dudes. He's fearless. He's tough. I said he's like Baker Mayfield with a Hemi, but he also is going to work his way into some spots where he's going to compromise your protection by trying to do all that stuff. And at this point, a young player like him is doing that more often yeah. than not. So for Sam, it's still going to be an uphill battle. This is what you get when you've got a fifth round player in his second year of football and really his first year as a starter going out and working through these mistakes. The commanders are going to have an interesting come to Jesus conversation because their defensive front spent most of the first half getting very little pressure. I do give credit to Luke Getze for that, Dad. I thought the play calling for the Bears turtled some in the second half, but in the first half, Getze was getting the ball, great mix of getting the ball out quickly, running as quarterback, leaning on the ground game in general, and then setting up for deep play action shots where you had max protection, six, seven guys in there to help protect Justin Fields. Let me ask you this, Dad. Justin Fields keeps playing like this for the rest of the year, and the Bears are moderately successful, but we know they're still going to hold at least one of the top picks. They've got a couple there in the holster and potentially could be up near number one if they keep playing bad. But let's say Justin Fields keeps playing like this, but ultimately the team's not super successful. Is that enough where you think the Bears would forsake taking a quarterback in this upcoming draft if they're in range of a Drake May, a Caleb Williams, or one of the top players in this draft? Well, I mean, if you sit there and look at it, if you if you go ahead with his stats and break them out for the season, he's going to have over 30 touchdowns, right? I mean, he has 11 now in five games. You play 17 games, do the math. He's going to have over 30 touchdowns, but he's going to have mid-teens maybe in interceptions as well. But if he's doing that, if he's throwing over 30 touchdowns and he's running the ball the way he's running, it'd be hard-pressed for me not to keep him. Now, we, uh, the completion percentage, I think he's right about 62% for the year. Got to keep an eye on that. So the thing I keep an eye on is certainly completion percentage, but turnovers. How much does he turn the ball over, whether throwing an interception or he runs a lot, so fumbling of the ball on the run. But if you, if you project out his stats, and I'm just doing them on my head really quick, it would. I think it would be tough to move past him to think what he and DJ Moore, Cole Komet's having himself a year as well. Uh, they could use more weapons. As I said, three receivers last night is yeah. I've never well, seen it's crazy. And, and by the way, they finished last night with a run with a fullback, fullback taking yeah. handoffs for them in that game. All four of their top running backs end up going down over the course of this game. There, Roshan Johnson left with a concussion. Khalil Herbert, who was looking great, left with an ankle. Their other quarterback left with a hamstring. And Devonta Foreman was inactive. Travis Homer with the hammy. It ended up being Kyrie Blazing game taking handoffs. He had three career carries as a fullback coming into this game. So it did tear down. They're going to need more weapons. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, they got back for protection for Justin Fields. I still think if the binary is you can have Fields or you can have Caleb Williams or Drake May in the draft, I might lean the young guys, reset the clock because those yep. two players are Correct. exceptional. But Justin Fields is going to be playing football for somebody if he keeps this up and would be a massive asset for the Bears to move this offseason. I think they felt froggy last year. I think they jumped this year. But the conversation definitely got a lot harder after last night's performance where the Bears put it on the commanders on Thursday night football. 
Uh, Emerson, unfortunately for the Chicago Bears and that franchise, some tough news coming into the game, mourning the loss of one of the all-time yep. legends of the NFL and certainly one of the greatest Chicago Bears, maybe the greatest Chicago Bear ever. For sure. There was no way in hell the Bears were losing on the night. Dick Buckus passed away, guys. His name has become synonymous with the violent side of football, fear and intimidation. Buckus was also synonymous with greatness at middle linebacker and in many ways, the NFL itself. So NFL Network ranked the most feared tacklers in league history. This was back in 2009. Number one on the list, Dick Buckus. There could have been really no other choice for the top spot and Mike Sr. I know you tweeted yesterday about the impact he had on you as early as your high school days. I mean, I can't tell you how much I loved watching this guy play. Everybody wanted to, if you were on defense especially, really if you were a football player, you wanted to pattern yourself after his type of play. I watched his highlight reel right before I left my house to go play in my high school games. Every single game in, through my entire high school career. Watching him play just motivated you. And this is the way the game was played. It's different now, but then it's the way the game was played. He was the most feared. He was the most tenacious. Listening to his peers who we played against talk about him and what he was on the field is amazing. And, and I, am, I would just love the younger generation who maybe doesn't know uh, what he did, may know the name, not what he did. That's the beautiful thing about searching someone now. Watch the highlights. Watch, A, how the game was played back then, <laughs> and watch this man just not give a damn about his body and throw it around. Played nine years, had bad knees. That's what cost him his career. But he was the most feared, most tenacious player, in my eyes, in the history of the NFL. And this is back in the 60s. By the way, the 1965 draft, he was picked third by the Chicago Bears. You know who was picked fourth by the Chicago Bears? Gale Sayers. So back-to-back -back was Dick Butkus and Gale Sayers. Unfortunately, they didn't have a whole lot of success uh, with, with those guys uh, together, but two of the greatest players ever in the history of the game. But Dick Butkus, an icon for football players who wanted to play tough, wanted to be tough, wanted to hit tough. He was everything wrapped into one. The toughest, most feared NFL player in my eyes of all time. Yeah, my buddy Nathan Tyler used to do the same thing as you before games. I enjoyed his late career renaissance on Twitter where he was openly talking smack to people. A legend gone too soon. Uh, we will get back to more NFL talk next. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York.
All right, following a tumultuous offseason that included a public and private feud over his contract and his health, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor telling reporters, talking to reporters for the first time on Thursday that he's finally healthy, he's finally ready to play while mostly avoiding questions about his future with the team. Listen to this. No, number one thing was, was me getting healthy. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not healthy, you can't be on the field. The number one ability is availability. And I pride myself on that. Um, so, you know, especially battling through last year, my number one goal was to make sure I eliminated all of that. I don't think it, it matters on if I'm saying I'm committed or not because I, I'm here. I mean, if somebody wasn't committed, they wouldn't be here. All right, Junior, Taylor declining to address his contract, which runs through this season. All signs point to him playing out his rookie deal here, uh, downplaying a desire to play elsewhere. Maybe winning will cure all of this, right? Usually does. I just love the elite spin zone by <laughs> Taylor he's, now. He's Listen, I was just trying to get healthy. I don't know what the rest <laughs> of you guys were so concerned about here. I was just trying to get back and be my best self. Best ability is availability. I'm committed. I'm here. Dad, that is a master class in avoiding the elephant in the room. And it seems like with this situation, the elephant's huge, it's multicolored, and it's staring at everybody here. And Jonathan Taylor just has no time with it. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, and, and listen, he's going to be there through the year. You know, the, the none of the, if, if the reports are correct, none of the trade re request, requests met the Colts what they wanted oh, yeah. a lot of unrealistic were, expectations exactly as i was going to say faith negotiations and, and what they wanted was was a bit much the way they were negotiating so he'll be here and then what can happen next year they can they can franchise him right they can tag him and we saw what that number was last year it was like 10 million dollars so it'll be a little bit more than that but not much uh so we could be going through this all again next year uh I, but i think he's doing the right thing get out and play that's that's we did we learn from Le'Veon Bell, even though Le'Veon Bell sat for an entire year and got himself got money. a great comp a contract, but his career was basically never the same. Started getting injured and it was basically done. But he did get which the money, I, but which I don't attribute to that year off. I agree. By the way. I completely agree. I don't think any player believes that's going to happen for them, and their best way to show their wares and get paid is to be on the field, you know, and not be injured. You know, and show I can stay healthy. And I think that's what Jonathan Taylor needs to do and wants to do. And then we'll see what happens about a few, his future, which I think was the right thing to do and say, I'm not, you know, not concerned about that right now. I'm back. I'm healthy. I'm ready to play. Yeah, no, we'll get to uh, what their game against the Titans potentially looks like as we preview some of those later this weekend. But Jonathan Taylor back with the Colts, back with Anthony Richardson in that backfield. We got to get to this Don LaGreca sound from yeah. yesterday, though. I have been waiting to play this. Emerson, Don LaGreca responding to Evan Neal, Giants right tackle, who came out and made some comments about fans that have been booing them in their home stadium. Yeah. Said, what are these people that are criticizing me doing flipping burgers here? A lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of sheep. Basically fired back at fans that have been critical yeah. of the team, called them fair weather fans, and Donnie Boy had something to say. Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that? You piece of garbage. I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You make them, you're better than me. You're better than the people that pay your salary. These giant fans were here before you, and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut. What a piece of human trash. And I don't want to hear some apology. I don't want to hear, oh, I was taken out of contact. I didn't mean, I don't want to hear... 
done. Done. I would cut his fat ass. <laughs> okay, all right. Perhaps, Junior, the best thing for the Giants, <laughs> and particularly Evan Neal here, is the fact they're not playing at home Sunday or the following Sunday here. Yeah, everybody needs a little space. This is like yeah. when you have an argument with a spouse or a significant other, and you guys just both go maybe go for a walk or something. Maybe oh, try I love and doing that. This off <laughs> and take a little bit of time right now because t tensions are high in, in this, Dad. I, I don't even begin to know where to start on this. Don LaGreca, first off, making a piece of sports talk radio art right there. <laughs> yeah. Elite yell. I saw yes. the Levitar guy say yesterday it looked like when Santa Claus is mad right now, he's got the beard and hair combination <laughs> phenomenal. that you've been dying for. Phenomenal. Though, I mean, the, the greatest thing about that, I wasn't even listening too much to the rant because I was mesmerized by his white hair and beard. That is exactly where I want to end up, and he is there. He is there. He has some of the most epic rants in sports radio history, dude. Like, there are reels on YouTube. Yeah. You could Google his name. This may not even be close to, like, his most heated rant in his life. Listen, yeah. and, I, and I've known Don for years. Uh, Don and I have been friends. I like Don. And this, this listen, he's very passionate. Yes. I don't know how he's lasted this long with some of the rants he's had. I mean, Don <laughs> will start saying, dude, you know, have a Coke and a smile here. You know, let's. <laughs> Let's relax a little bit. Well, Listen, hey, that's a good reference because the Santa Coke commercial, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Listen, what Evan Neal said was was dumb to say, and, he, and yeah. he did come out and apologize for it. But you just can't do it. You, you just you just can't acknowledge what's going on. The fans do pay. They're allowed to boo. We always get into this every now and then. Should fans boo? Fan boo all you want. Who? What do I care? Boo. Go ahead and boo. You know, and and Evan went too far saying, you know, again, the lion, the sheep to these people, are they flipping burgers and hot dogs? And you can't do that. He was wrong. But man, Don, Don, whoo, he always comes at it from the fan side. Like I come yeah. off from player side. He comes at it from a fan side. Listen, give him an A for being passionate, but boy, oh boy, I I, I take a breath, my friend. Take a breath. Yeah, this was this was one where I I it reaffirmed that I still have some former player in me because I consider myself a bit of a daywalker, right? I didn't have the long NFL or pro, you know post-college career that you and others had. Uh, I do have some passionate fan side to me when it comes to Notre Dame, so I kind of get to dip a toe in both worlds, and I've been in the media job now way longer than I was as a player, but this still pissed me off. Like hearing him talk about a player like this, even if yeah. it was something that ultimately is a little bit for show where he leans in, where we understand that, like, it getting to that point where it was demeaning of a player because Evan Neal's overall point, I do understand using it and using the profession of somebody to demean their opinion is one thing, but he's right about the fans. None of these people could do the things Evan Neal is doing. None of those people have lived in his shoes, have known that or have accomplished what he's already accomplished in his career. So their criticisms of him are baseless. Like they aren't a thing that I would concern myself with if I was an offensive tackle playing in the NFL. I'm not worried what Joe in the cheap seats has right. to say about my performance, but you also don't say that while your team no. is currently in the yeah, situation they're in right now, especially in New York. It's just not advisable behavior and using profession to demean that too. That's not cool. We don't need to make some fun of someone no, no. for how much money they're making when they're just booing. If they want to say something truly demeaning, then by all means, let the chopper sing on that and let them feel it. But if they're just booing poor performance, you got to just sort of eat that and let the play do the you talking do. for the time being. I mean, Mike, he goes straight Lord Tywin Lannister. Like, he went straight there with the lion doesn't concern itself with the opinion of sheep quote. So he goes full right. Game of Thrones villain here. That's and, not and, the way to do yeah. it. And what he said was right. He should not concern himself 
yes. with what the fans are saying. But you're still, you know, that, that's they say a lot of times, these aren't robots playing. These are human beings. We hear about yeah. pitchers in the bullpen that are right by the fans who are just harassing them the entire game, you know? And, and at some point, you're a human being and you lash out and you say something that you shouldn't say. And that's what Evan did. Evan absolutely said something he shouldn't have said. He should have kept that to himself. But he is a human being. And listen, to Don's side, Don is, again, a fan and he was offended by that. Do I think he went a little far? Yes, I do. I think he went a little far uh, as well in, in his criticism of Evan Neal. But that is a player side, and that is a fan side. There are a lot of times where they're not going to agree on what's going on on the field. And I understand it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but like we did just come off a stretch where we all took Rodney Harrison to task for referring yes. to Zach Wilson as garbage in a game. Yep. He was talking about the play there and went a little bit too far, but this is the kind of stuff you invite when you talk like that about guys in the fraternity from people on the outside. Dom was going to do this anyway. This yeah. was more about a fan interaction, so it's not a perfect comparison, but it is an apt reminder that this was still across the line and that yeah. talking about and demeaning a player like that is still not going to fly with me. Still going to jostle that a little bit. I did enjoy he did uh, tell people to boo him in the DMV. Yeah. You want to know how far <laughs> down the list of things that bother me in the DMV some random guy booing me would be? First off, that's probably an easy way to get dropped because tensions are already high enough in the DMV. But getting booed in the DMV is actually one of the most hellish things I can who's, think of. now. Who's going to do that to Evan Neal's face? Right? Let's be honest. Come I on. Mean, New Yorkers probably yeah. is the answer there. New Yorkers <laughs> is probably the answer. Coming up next, let's talk to a man who's lined up under center for so many teams in the NFL and get some insight next here on Gojo and Golan. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Emerson Lazia, and let's get a little bit smarter. We're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks heading into the weekend, talk a lot about college football, talk to Chase Daniel here, longtime NFL veteran quarterback here, Super Bowl champ, kind enough to join us now here. Chase, what's going on, man? What's up? How you doing? Good uh, to see you. We are, we are doing well, and we got a sighting of the Chicago Bears last night in a monster man. win over Washington. Justin Fields with four touchdowns yet again. And I want to start with a question Mike asked me. I want to ask you. If he goes on and has the season his stats are showing right now, which quite honestly would be over 30 touchdowns, but middle of the teams and interceptions and such, are you 
moving on from him because their season is not going to be good. What is your thought about the future of Justin Fields in Chicago? Well, it's a slippery slope. I mean, I'm just not sure what to expect out of him. You look at the first two games and his stats, and you look at the last two games, over seven, almost six, 700 yards passing, eight total touchdowns, one interception. So it's two completely different um, types of, of seasons almost. And it just seems like I, the last two games I broke down, and I actually dove deep into the All-22, and it's finally like – um, a, a light bulb went off in Luke Getze's head and said, hey, let's just put him in shotgun. Let him have zone read options. Let him do the quarterback run. Let him uh, throw out a shotgun. And it just seems like a completely different offense, a lot of more pre-snap motions and shifts. It seems like Justin's finally settling down. But that's the question that everyone in Chicago wants to know. If you continue to play like this and they end up winning, say, eight games or not, you're not going to be getting the number one pick, right? Caleb Williams is not there. Drake May is not there. You're going to be drafting higher. So I think that all comes into play. I mean, I think the way he's playing right now, if he can continue it and continue to show that he can play at a high level, um, then I think it's going to be hard for them to move on from him. Have you been surprised by how – Little the offense before these last couple of games, and really going back to last year, seemed to lean into his skill set. Like as someone who's been in a bunch of quarterback rooms, what is that conversation like as you're building the offense around a player with his kind of skills where sometimes we see square peg and round hole happens in some of these rooms? Well, that's, I think that's exactly what happened with Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, and then the offensive staff and Justin Fields in Chicago. It's like, hey, let okay, here's what we did in, in Green Bay. Here's what we're going to do. And I don't care, you know, you're not Aaron Rodgers, but it doesn't matter. Here's the plug and play. And all of a sudden, I think last year was the biggest uh, thing for me when it changed was the New England Patriots, I think, Monday night game. I was in studio NFL Network studying it. And we were going on after the show and all the analysts are looking at each other like, are you seeing this offense? Like this looks completely different than what they've done the first eight games of the year. And they went on, they went on to win that game. And then he played really well down the stretch, started slow. The first three games, the last two games have been out of this world. So it's like a, it's, there's no in between right now. Like just go ahead and completely switch to this new style offense, which it looks like he's doing. I mean, I, I, like I can't even tell you the amount of times I saw the first two weeks or three weeks and I'm looking at the film. I'm like, Guys, he's not an under center play action, block him up shots type guy. He's a shotgun type guy. Let him throw the DJ Moore, Cole Komet. I mean, they got some weapons, Darnell Mooney. And, and yeah, look, it's been talked about how many sacks he takes. But honestly, I thought the offensive line played really well, and he was just holding on to the football. That's what it was. I mean, he has the most sacks in the last two years holding the ball over four plus seconds. I mean, you know that, guys. Like, you guys, like, you can't hold the ball that long. And I think something's clicked in him where – He's actually going through his progressions. Hey, one's not open. Let's go to two, go. And that's all I said. I was just like, hey, go to one, go to two. And if not, take off and run and use your ability as a runner because you are a threat running the football. So along those lines, you know, we talked about the Getsy Fields relationship, Canada and Pickett and Pittsburgh and others with coordinators and especially young quarterbacks. What does that room look like when you take people inside during the week of that relationship of how it should be working with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback? Yeah, every place is different that I've been a part of, but the best offenses I've been a part of, the quarterback has a big time say in what goes into the game plan. Look, the coaches are going to be game planning on Mondays and Tuesdays. That's how it is. Quarterbacks usually get the game plan. 
Tuesday midday, Tuesday night, and that'll be the base game plan and be like, hey, here's what we're thinking for the week. Here's what we're doing. And the, and the best offensive coordinators I've been a part of is like, like Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael in New Orleans. Hey, hey, what do you think? Do you like this? Does it marry up enough with our run game? Because we get the run game list early Wednesday. How do you feel about it? And especially on third down and red zone, we call them money downs. Like you got to have, you got to make the money on those downs because that's what wins and separates in this league. And so when you're when you're in in in, uh, in a phase where you're implementing this offense, especially on third down and red zone, that's where I've seen quarterbacks have the most say in what we want to run, how we want to attack the defenses. Because, you know, these defenses these days are getting wild. I mean, it's just like the amount of stuff that they're doing on third down. I mean, it's even more so. I've been out of the league for, you know, six months, and I'm looking at this film like, man, I haven't seen this pressure. So they're constantly evolving, constantly changing. And so I think that's just what the best relationships have is like, hey, just tell me what you feel comfortable with because what you don't, I'm just going to mark it off the play call sheet. Chase, looking around the rest of the NFL right now, which quarterback has impressed you most early in this season through the first quarter with their play? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is Tua, right? But I go back and I'm like, it, it is an obvious answer, but he actually started very similar this year like he did last year, but obviously got hurt. But it's just so cool to see the offense. I think the offense around him is much better than they were last year. And so they've got everyone to step up their play, both of the running backs. Obviously, everyone knows about Tyreek and Waddle and even River Craycraft. Like, he's playing at a, at a really high level. Their offensive line's playing well. He's not taking a lot of sacks. And, look, I know they got beat up in Buffalo, but this team, this offense, like that to me has been the most impressive start because everyone sort of saw what they were doing last year. And Mike McDaniel was able to say, hey, nope, look, we're going to switch it up. We're going to do different stuff. We're going to hide stuff. And so the innovativeness of him is just something that I really, really like. Well, one thing, uh, Chase, I was wondering, you've been with Sean Payton for a bit in your career. He goes to Denver. You have Russell Wilson who loves to create things, and you have Sean Payton who loves you to stay in the pocket, make your reads, and get rid of the ball. When you saw that marriage happen, what did you think? I liked it. I really did because I was with Sean Payton for five years of my career, and I know that he's going to get the absolute best out of his quarterback, and I don't care who it is, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, you can name them. That's what he does. He's like the quarterback whisperer. Now, the stuff going on in Denver, you look at Russell's stats and you actually dive deep into the All-22 and look at his game this year. It's been excellent. The dude has been like vintage Russ Wilson. He's got three or four scramble touchdowns in the red zone, what he known, is known for. I've talked to the guys on staff there and they said, hey, man, he still throws one of the best deep balls in all of football. And I agree with that. Okay, the problem in Denver is not the offense. It is the defense. Uh, the the Broncos defense the last two years have been exceptionally well. I mean, top 10 in the league, especially past defense, and they are just atrocious this year. I have no, no idea what's going on. So I think Russell's sort of getting the bug of that. But if you actually look in and look at the play, look, I know quarterbacks are supposed to win, and our good friend Trey Wynn will say, hey, wins are in a quarterback stat. At the end of the day, you still have to win, right? You still have to do it, and your team has to be better. But I think Russell's playing exceptionally well, though. All right, Chase, we only got about 30 seconds left here. I just need a quick answer on this. Is Brock Purdy elite? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, he is. I, and, and that's that's the crazy thing. That's funny you said that because I'm doing these all 22 quarterback breakdowns on YouTube and we're dropping Brock Purdy today. And I'll dive deep into why he is elite. I mean, the dude completed 19 to 20 passes in an NFL game. He's he's like 9-0 
in the games he's won and started in the National Football League. The dude is elite. He has really good playmakers around him, but I think he doesn't make any mistakes whatsoever in playing the game. He plays it exactly how Kyle Shanahan wants him to. Yeah, the perfect Shanahan quarterback does exist. We're looking forward to that breakdown, Chase. We're looking forward to talking to you again soon down the road here, man. Thanks for giving us some time this morning. Good luck to your Missouri Tigers this weekend, man. Big one. Got them on, baby. The, Let's go. We'll find out who the real Tigers are this weekend. Missouri taking on LSU, man, undefeated in the SEC. Awesome. Thanks so much, brother. Thanks, Thanks Chase. guys. <laughs> yeah, I can say, by the way, quietly. Huge one this weekend. You look up and you talk about all these undefeated teams in the SEC, Dad. Missouri just sitting there waving their hand. Big win against Kansas State at home earlier in the season. They're doing some things. Does not matter how many years you play in the NFL, man. You still wear those college colors proud all the time. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right. We got plenty more NFL action coming up to get to. But coming up next, we'll be drama. Start off the NBA season with the Los Angeles Lakers. We will get to their beef with the Nuggets next. All right, not too long ago, the Lakers make this impressive run to the Western Conference Finals, only to be swept by the eventual champion in the Denver Nuggets. Now, on the NBA's opening night here in a few weeks, I believe October 24th, the Lakers will be back in the Mile High City when the banner goes up and Nikola Jokic and company receive their ring. So Anthony Davis saying earlier this week at Media Day, Denver talked a lot during that series, and he, LeBron James, and the rest of the team can't wait to face them again. And Mike Malone, Nuggets head coach, responding to those comments. Oh, they're talking about us? Yeah. Yeah. I, that was like four months ago? Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't speak for anybody in L.A. You know, I can speak for uh, 17 players on our team, 18 players now in our group. But uh, if they're still worried about us, that's on them. Yeah, that's not a rivalry. I mean, you can't play a, a team, you know, uh, in the Western Conference Finals twice in the last couple of years and think it's a rivalry. All right, Gojo, if it's not a rivalry now, let's make it one. Do give me all the trash talk. Now is the time to talk in October. You let your play do the talking closer to May. And if anyone is willing to do the talking, it is Mike Malone. Yeah, baby. I love I love that he went full Don Draper. I don't think about you at all in this <laughs> elevator. Dad, it's an incredible environment with the Nuggets because you've got a team where your best player is Nikola Jokic, who we talk about as a disinterested king, would rather be getting drunk with his horses and hanging out back in his home country here. Doesn't really want to be here all that much. You've got Jamal Murray, who's got a chip the size of a boulder on his shoulder at any given moment and seems willing to let people know about this. And then you've got Mike Malone, who reminds me a lot of every backup quarterback I was ever with who would talk crap behind the offensive line at the bar and shout at guys knowing someone else is going to handle business. Like, Mike Malone's never going to go out there and score a bucket against LeBron James, never have to guard Anthony Davis to the post, but he loves trading barbs in the media going all the way back to last year. It's the perfect dynamic for this NBA team, and it's got to be infuriating for the Lakers to be having getting over on by this group here who doesn't even consider you a rival because they can't be bothered with you. Yeah, I mean, listen, Mike Malone should be sitting on his perch having a ball with this. Bottom line, they, sw they swept. Last I checked, they swept the Lakers. If the Lakers want to use them as a chip on their shoulder to, to talk about, you know, getting where they want to get this year, that's fine. But that has nothing to do with Denver, who whooped them, swept them, and went on to win the title. So I would be acting just like Malone in this. Oh, wait, 
You're talking about us? Okay, well, have a ball. You know, I got the ring. We got the trophy. You guys got swept by us. Use us as motivation. Go ahead. Do what you want to do. But you know what? Don't have a whole lot of time for you. We moved on from you and won the championship. He's holding all the cards here. The Lakers can say whatever they want. They got dumped on by the Nuggets. They did. And remember, Michael Malone's been kind of slick about this for a while. He got introduced as the Lakers' daddy at the championship parade. (laughs) He went on with McAfee and those guys and joked about contemplating retirement after the season, similar to the way LeBron did after that series. Remember, that kind of robbed a little bit of the attention from the Nuggets going into the NBA Finals. And so there's a little bit of gamesmanship around all this with the Denver Nuggets. But, Dad, what it boils down to is you're right. It's not a rivalry recently because the Denver Nuggets have been one of the best teams or best teams in basketball, and the Lakers have been riding the wave of injuries among their best players including LeBron James, who I believe now is actually the oldest player in the league. Did he get that news delivered? 38 years old. He's the oldest player in the league. It is still wild to me being that old and seeing these, what, 19 and 20-year-olds come into the league. I mean, but then again, he does have a kid about that age, you know, and Bronny, you know, who's a freshman in college. So he is used to dealing with kids that age, but he's more used to them as a father-son component, not a teammate component. Yeah, it's... I I don't know. For LeBron James now, I think a lot of people I know, our super producer, Brandon Newman, huge Lakers fan, thought that LeBron's motivations for coming over to Los Angeles largely laid off the court and were about his pursuits in the media, were about certainly setting his you know sons and uh, daughter up for the best opportunities, going out here with all the basketball opportunities, especially for all of them. But, Dad, this does feel like the perfect cocktail of events to kind of reignite that competitor, LeBron James, which I never really questioned. I never thought was an issue. You look at the way he played last year, certainly doesn't pop up an issue. It's just the injury creeping in, as Father right. Time does yeah. inevitably wear down even the greatest athletes that we've ever seen. But if you're talking about a guy who doesn't need extra motivation who now has it in the form of the Denver Nuggets who for so long felt like the least offensive collection of human beings you could get together and now all of a sudden just decide to start brush fires everywhere they go and I'm cool with it I mean this Den- yeah. even the Denver Nugget team I mean even winning the championship people will find a way to disrespect them they have got no respect over the years right I always thought of one of the better teams at time but could never close the deal and now they finally did Man, if, if you have a chance to chirp now and that's your that that's the way you like to go about your business, so be it. You're at the top of the mountain right now. Now, somebody's gonna try and knock you off, you know, and and, and we know that happens. But if, if I'm if I'm alone, hey, keep and the Lakers wanna talk about me, I'll keep throwing barbs in. Don't care about that because I got the proof right now. I got the ring on the finger and the sweep last year on them uh that, that took took them out of the playoffs. And as far as LeBron. Listen, if he did go, and I've said this all the time, when you are, when you have a choice of where you want to go, a lot of things come into play. Money, geography, rings, whatever. And in all honesty, if he did go there more for post-career and kids' uh, opportunity, more power to him. I mean, that's his choice. If that was, if that was, and I don't know if it was, but I know people have talked about that. And that's on every player on why they want to make a move when they have a choice to go somewhere. And you just happen to bring up a championship as well and should be one of the better teams as well, though it is getting to be an older 
better team. Their 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 uh, lifeline is not much longer as far as their you know where they're going to be in this league with guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron together. Well, Junior, Speaking, Junior, I was yeah. going to say one opportunity that LeBron has not had yet since moving to LA is being on Travis and Jason Kelsey's podcast. He's begging these dudes on social yeah. media to be on there. He says, "Crazy, I can't even get an invite." Yeah, which somehow I'd imagine now we are all going to get to look forward to <laughs> yeah, that yeah. audio yeah. coming up soon. But speaking of other things LeBron James probably excited about and a guy with a choice, Emerson Joel Embiid yeah. going out here and committing to Team USA That's for right. the Olympic Games in Paris. This feels big time. Yeah, the president of France like even called up Embiid and it's like, hey man, we could really use you. We'd love to have you. And Embiid's like, yeah, no. So he's choosing USA over host France and his native Cameroon. Uh, this was so he's now expected to be joined, yes, by LeBron, Curry, Durant, Davis, Satabayo, Booker, a host of other top flight NBA talent on Team USA uh, next summer. And listen, USA needs all of this talent to mask some cohesion issues that we have seen with this group recently, Gojo. Yeah, Dad, USA Basketball obviously took a big shot in the FIBA World Cup over the summer and everything in the conversation around that, getting slandered by sprinters, world championship nonsense. This feels like one of the first dominoes falling in what we'd imagine is a re-upping of our status as the best basketball-playing country in the world. I know that's a bit of stolen valor because, as we talked about, Joel Embiid holds both French and American citizenship. He was born in Cameroon, so he's got a choice and hadn't been playing for Team USA before this now, but it seems like... Like everyone's had enough conversations behind closed doors about wanting to go out here and kind of shut up all this conversation. Who knew Noah Lyles would end up being the catalyst for yeah. so much of what's gone on? They need to give him a medal if they go out there and win it. We're all playing for Team USA, but he seems to have really lit a fire under the American hoop players' asses after those comments he made this summer. It is kind of interesting. Everything now and then it comes up, and there's more more than you would think that Embiid had three options. You mentioned born in Cameroon, citizenship in France and the U.S. He had three options to play on three different Olympic teams. So, And for obviously, as a U.S. fan, I'm glad he chose U.S. But we've gone through this before. When we were talking about the FIBA championships and, and U.S. losing is they, they loaded up like they were the dream team. They proved their dominance. And they've had dominance in the Olympics for a while now. Um, but FIBA, not so much. World championships, not so much. Uh, that they start to, the stars start to not go, others take the place, then they start losing, and then they, we kind of regroup. It, th this is going to be a blow, right? If, if all the guys show up that are talking about showing up, it's not going to be competitive. I know the rest of the world has gotten better. I get it. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to put all the stars that are talking about going to the Olympics for the U.S., this is going to be an easy gold medal. Uh, famous last words, old takes exposed. Get it ready to go. Coming up next, let's get away from this league and get to the NFL. Looking ahead at the game I have had circled on my calendar since the season began. Next on Gojo and Golan.